The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I will be your host for today. Today's episode is number 142, and today we are interviewing Marianne Skolik Perez. In 2002, her daughter Jill died at the age of 29 after being prescribed OxyContin for back pain. As a nurse employed at a large medical center, she was familiar with the opioid OxyContin. She medicated end-stage cancer patients with the strong opioid. She needed answers as to why Jill was prescribed such a dangerous opioid, and she began diligently researching the maker of OxyContin, Purdue Pharma, and the FDA's involvement in the epidemic. Marianne is a SalemNews.com investigative reporter and an activist for victims of OxyContin and Purdue Pharma throughout the United States and Canada. In July 2007, she testified against Purdue Pharma in federal court in Virginia at the sentencing of their three CEOs, Michael Friedman, Howard Udell, and Paul Goldenheim, who pleaded guilty to charges of marketing OxyContin as less likely to be addictive or abused to physicians and patients. She also testified against Purdue Pharma at a judiciary hearing of the U.S. Senate in July 2007. Marianne works with government agencies and private attorneys in having a voice for her daughter, as well as the voice for scores of victims of OxyContin. Without further ado, let's talk to Marianne Perez. Marianne, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate you sharing your story. Well, you're welcome, Joni. Thank you for having me. First of all, mother to mother, I have to tell you how incredibly sorry I am about your daughter. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. I have two sons. I can only not even really probably fully imagine what that's like to lose a child. And everybody will say you're not prepared to lose a child. You're not. And even though it's been 18 years now, um, there are still um, things that remind me and songs that hit me. And um, you never lose it. No, nope. you never lose that uh, emptiness. No, I I completely understand. Well, you know, one of the reasons we do this podcast and the reason why we asked you to share your story, or you asked us to share your story, is I don't want any more mothers to go through it. I really don't. And that may be unrealistic, well, I, I, but that's why we're doing this. I, I, I salute you both. I think it's wonderful what you're doing, but um, being uh, realistic, unfortunately, this will continue. For, and it's so, so, yep. so sad. Yes. I would agree with you. So start back with your daughter's story and and tell us what happened there. Um, Okay, this was back in um, 2002. Uh, Unbeknownst to me, Jill had been prescribed OxyContin for a backache. And uh, I was a a nurse in our local uh, medical center in Bridgewater, New Jersey and worked the oncology floor, and I knew OxyContin was for end-stage cancer patients. So um, 
when I was blindsided and and lost Jill and found out that she had been prescribed OxyContin, it's it's a long, long journey to get all these answers. I I spent virtually night and day researching uh, the maker of OxyContin, Purdue Pharma, to find out why Jill was being prescribed OxyContin when a, all she had was a simple backache. And that's, that's what led me to the criminology of Purdue Pharma. I was blaming her physician for prescribing it to her. And, and he did, but he was misled by the pharmaceutical uh, reps that were coming into his office and told that OxyContin was safe and non-addictive and could be prescribed for simple back pain. Right. Now, did she overdose? Is that what happened? No, there, I did an article in one of my newspapers about this. Um, it's not an overdose. Technically, OxyContin can also build up uh, in your body, uh, even, even if you have an overdose, and you just go to sleep and go into respiratory arrest and do not wake up. There was no buildup of OxyContin in her system. She just suffered from uh, respiratory arrest as a result of the OxyContin. The other thing was her doctor kept titrating the dose higher and higher and without being seen. The receptionist was giving her the prescriptions through the uh, reception window. Wow. So, um, How long was she yeah, taking the OxyContin? Like I, do you know? I believe it was about three months. So, um, but like I said, I had no idea she was taking it. I think she just thought it was, uh, I have a backache. I went to the doctor. He gave me this miracle drug and, you know, mom doesn't need to know everything. She didn't live with me. She, she lived by her, you know, by herself. So, um, yeah. Wow. So it was quite a shock when I found out, but, um, it's even a bigger shock when I found out what the pharmaceutical company and, and the FDA did to get away with this, um, marketing so um anyway that was um that was a long um emotional time because uh you're first dealing with the grief of losing a child and then at the same time you want answers right and the answers that i was uh being led to were scary you know and i i soon learned that this this wasn't about Jill. This was about every family's child. Right. Because it was being prescribed so um, uh, frequently and so often to people, unsuspecting. Right. So, so I never personalized it. I made it into this could be your child. Right. Right. And it was. It was everybody's child. You know, you bring up a point that we've talked about on the podcast many times, and it was something that I kind of had to come to a realization about, and that is that everybody reacts to drugs differently. And, mm -hmm. you know, when, when drugs are just prescribed across the boards, it, you're, you're playing Russian roulette when you, do, when you take drugs like that, because you don't know how they're going to affect you. I might be able to 
you know, take a similar dose of Oxycontin and be fine. But the problem that happens is it reacted in such a way with your daughter that she passed away. And and listeners, I'm going to say this again, you you cannot just blanket take drugs because the doctors tell you to. They are marketed to by pharmaceutical companies. And we've already talked, we've also talked, and you can go into this even more based on what you know, Purdue Pharma lied. They lied to doctors. They lied to the public. They lied in front of Congress and said it wasn't addictive. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Yep. They, and they lied. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go off and beaten track a little bit. I, yesterday or the day before the New York Daily News did a, um, an article on one of the Sackler brothers, Raymond Sackler. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Richard Sackler. And that they had uh, found emails that he had written to friends and cronies calling drug addicts scumbags and whatever. And I thought to myself, this, this can't be right. I mean, this, this isn't right. I did, a, I did an article for my newspapers about nine or ten years ago that Purdue Pharma had a, a um, patent on a worm, a Trojan worm, that destroyed any incriminating emails going out and coming in. And I sent it to the New York Daily News. I sent it to the AG at, uh, in Connecticut. And I said, how could uh, Richard uh, Sackler have had these incriminating emails laying around when his chief counselor was a, uh, listed as an inventor on this patent? Hmm. Doesn't make any sense to me. Nah, but there's a lot of things that don't. But uh, yeah, they, they truly belong in prison. Mm-hmm. They really do. If we're going to, if we're going to define 18... the word scumbag, I would say it probably applies to them. Absolutely. Yeah. They wear, they wear the crown for it. I, I've worked 18 years trying to, um, to make that happen. And unfortunately it hasn't happened, but I, I'm very, very, um, faith-based. My husband's a, a pastor and, um, a former homicide detective. So he's seen everything. Right. And I do believe there's a special place in hell for these guys. I really do. I would agree with you on that. Thank you. I, I really, really do. So um, they ruined a lot of lives in this country. A lot. Yep. Marianne, being an investigative okay. reporter, walk, walk us through a little bit what direction you went in when you first started researching this and, and some of the things that you found. Oh, okay. The first thing I did was I connected with the U.S. Attorney's Office in Abingdon, Virginia, because I found out that they were doing a little uh, investigation on Purdue Pharma. And when I did that, I con- connected with a really great DOJ guy who I called Delta Force, and we're still friends to this day. And um, I worked while I was working, I was wor- not at the hospital. I had another job too. I was working for an engineering company. I would be emailing the DOJ's office in Abington, Virginia, the U.S. Attorney's Office, and we were exchanging information back and forth, back and forth for six years. And um, then they called me one day and they said, we got them. And the U.S. Attorney Brownlee asked me to come to Virginia and testify at their sentencing, which I did. 
And the funny thing was when they, when the three uh, CEOs that took the fall for Purdue Pharma walked in the courtroom, it was something I will never forget. I've never seen such evil in my life. And when it was all over and we were leaving t- together, the, the investigators, U.S. Attorney Brown, we were walking out. I looked at them and I said, this isn't over. And they said, well, yeah, it is. They, they, they pleaded guilty. You know, they, I said, no, it's not. I said, they're, they're worth about $4 billion right now. And there's no way that they're going to want to not make more money. And as the years went on, they, they, they approached $34 billion. So even though they got their wrists slapped, all right, the U.S. Senate didn't pursue any charges against them or any investigation against them. Orrin Hatch had an investigation, a Senate Finance Committee investigation against them in 2012, and he sealed it so no one could read it. So they have skated free from any criminal prosecution. Wow. Wow. So it's ugly. It is ugly. It really is ugly. Makes me wonder how much those three um, scapegoats were paid to become scapegoats for Purdue. Well, their fines were paid for by Purdue. One of the, one of the, yeah. In fact, it was a highlight. I love my highlights. In the courtroom, one of the um, one of the guys, Paul Goldenheim, MD, he came in like a deer in the headlights into the courtroom, scared silly. Huh. And during the break, uh, the uh, I think I had just given my testimony. He wouldn't sit down. He stared me just from across the courtroom. Just gave me a stare of just nastiness, nasty. So I outstared him and my, my investigators, DOJ guys come over and said, you have to sit down. You can't do that. And I said, I will sit down when he sits down (laughs) and he wouldn't sit down. He just kept giving me this glary look. So here's your word, Joni. I looked over at him and I said, you are a bastard. There you go. And he went right down. He went right down in his chair. (laughs) So I said, now I will sit down. Yep. Wow. You are listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story to tell, go to our Facebook page by the same name or email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or call us at 727-314-7080. For more information on our sponsor, Narcanon Ojai, visit their website at narcanonojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I.org. Or call 866-231-5924. That's 866-231-5924. Sometimes the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 
918-918-0008 today and say the word podcast and get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. Once again, 833-918-0008 or newmaninterventions.com. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. So, so you went and testified, and then what happened after that? Where did your research take you after that? Well, I knew it wasn't over. So what I did was I uh, had some newspapers connect with me. I started writing. I started looking at news stories that were going on uh, these pain societies and uh, pain foundations that were lobbying groups that were being set up. And then I got had a, a U.S. attorney out in Kansas get in touch with me. And she was prosecuting an, a, a doctor who overprescribed specifically OxyContin and killed 66 patients. Oh, my gosh. And I wrote a series for eight weeks on this doctor and his nurse wife um, each week on what transpired in that courtroom. And the verdict was guilty. He got sentenced to 30 years in federal prison, which means no probation. Mm -hmm. And she got she got 33 years because she was doing other things in the office. But the P.S. to this and the nice thing was. Ten years later, the U.S. attorney that prosecuted the case got in touch with me. And she and her husband were going to be in Charleston, South Carolina. Could they come visit us? And they came here for two days and stayed with us. And when she got out of the car, she gave me a big hug and she said, you were the wind beneath my wings. Wow. And that was powerful. Yeah. That was really powerful. When was that? So um, the trial itself, I believe, was 2010. Okay. Their visit to me was last year. Wow. So um, all those years later, she connected with me. Can we come and visit you? Yeah, that's awesome. So I've, I've had some, yeah, I've met some remarkable people in this. Remarkable. So um, Tell me about some. Oh, by, want me to hit you with the FDA? Sure. <laughs> I call the FDA the, um, the guilty parties in this. This is a manufactured epidemic. They allowed Purdue Pharma to get away with what they did. So way back when I was starting out, I realized that the FDA was sending warning letters to Purdue Pharma. They had sent 10 warning letters. And I thought, this is outrageous. They keep doing the same thing. And they keep getting warning letters, but they're not correcting anything. So one night I came home from work, and um, there was a phone call from a man named Tom Abrams at the FDA. And he started talking very nasty to me and down, talking down. You know, I don't understand how the FDA works. And I said, well... Tom, you've been sending warning letters, at least 10, to Purdue Pharma, and they continue doing what they're doing. 
And he got mad and he smacked at me and he said, we don't have enough manpower to police Purdue Pharma. And I replied, and you don't think they don't know that? And he hung up. Wow. Those are the kinds of things that fueled me. Yeah. So then they, you know, it, it didn't end there. It just kept, multi, you know, getting more and more people were connecting me with me. And um, Joe Ranazizi, the DEA chief that was featured on 60 Minutes, he and I are good friends. Gerald Posner wrote about a best-selling New York Times um, uh, trilogy. I mean, really phenomenal book about the JFK assassination called Case Closed. He's written about the Martin Luther King assassination bestseller, the Holocaust bestseller. He contacted me this year. We became friends. He's writing a book called Pharma that's being released in March of 2020. Wow. And, and it's over 600 pages. And it's going to blow the lid off the pharmaceutical industry. Wow. Uh, and you have to know, I can't wait for it to be released. Absolutely. So, Boy, I would love to have him on the podcast. Wife, yeah, you should. Well, right now, I, I, I'll give you connections to him. But right now, he's kind of finalizing everything with his publisher. Okay. Um, but I will, I will let him know about you and Steve. Yep. Um, and he and his, his wife is also a... Um, an author, and they're planning on coming to Myrtle Beach also. So, and that I'm excited about. Oh, good. So, as I said, I'm I'm lifted when I meet really, really good people with great intentions in this tsunami I call it. Yep. Uh, with the opioid ep epidemic, and he is one of them. Um, another one is a man named Ed Thompson out in Pennsylvania who's suing the FDA. And I've written about him, and I call him my Albert Einstein. His, he's on track. He, he uh, has a beautiful plant in Horsham, Pennsylvania, where he manufactures opioids of all things. It's like a Star Wars facility. Wow. And he's suing the FDA because he realized that um, these opioids are not uh, abuse deterrent. No matter what the FDA says, they're not abuse deterrent. Hmm. So, um, lots, lots of interesting, like I said, people and situations and, um, anyway, it's been quite a journey for almost 18 years. Right. And what's next? What direction are you headed in now? You're writing a book, aren't you? Well, actually I'm trying to entice my new friend, Gerald Posner to uh, work with me on that since um, his book is coming out in March and he and his wife are interested in what I've done. So um, I hope that they do something with me. That's my big wish. No, there's no commitment. It's just something that we've talked about. Right. So, uh, Marianne, other than... And what's my next... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What's my next... Right now, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on um, uh, recovery, the recovery industry. And uh, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. So I'm gathering information and connecting with people on that. Explain that a little bit more. 
Well, I have this um, theory that you can't have recovery unless you have treatment. Right. You have to have prevention, education, and treatment. And there's a lot of organization people that are setting up these recovery um, groups that are uh, nonprofits, and they're um, they're not on the up and up. And uh, it's in the the early stages, but I have people uh, emailing me nasty emails, so I know I'm onto something because they don't like what I'm doing. <laughs> there's a but there's an indicator. Which fuels me even. Yeah, it fuels me even more. I've met some really good people. You know them, and I know them. There are good people out there. Yep. But I've also met some some scammers out there, and unfortunately, uh, families who are going through uh, their loved ones being addicted are being taken in by wh- who I now refer to as grief predators, and they prey on these vulnerable families. It's it's horrible, absolutely horrible. Yep. But um, early stages and. Uh, I will be writing about it more and more in my newspapers, so uh, it will come out in there. And Marianne, tell people how they can read your articles. Where do they go to do that? All my articles are posted on my Facebook page. And they are also, I have a new Facebook page. It's called Harm Reduction. Is it actually harm promotion? They're posted on that. I have a Twitter account and I have a LinkedIn account. So they're all posted on there. Okay. But you, you write for a paper, don't you? Or a website? I write. No, I write for several newspapers. Okay. And I, I just find it's easier just to go on the social media or Twitter. I, I really like Twitter and uh, they can just pick up if they friend me on Facebook or if they uh, hook up with me on Twitter or LinkedIn, they can read whatever newspaper I am writing for. Okay. And for the listeners, it's M-A-R-I-A-N-N-E is her first name and P-E-R-E-Z is her last name. So you can find her on Facebook and find her on Twitter. Now I had to use my old name, which I don't like, but most people know me by, which is Skolik, S-K-O-L-E-K. Okay. And on Facebook, so then you're Marianne Skolik? Marion Skolek Perez. Perez. Okay, Skolek Perez. Okay, good. Right. Yeah, not where you'll find me. There won't be any problem. Okay. Now, Marianne, just because I'm a little bit curious about this, but you said, other than the fellow giving you the evil eye in the courtroom and a couple emails, had you ha- have you had like any attacks or anything as you've gone down this road of investigation? Oh, many, many. I've been called evil. I've been called creepy. I'd be called oh, everything you can think of. But I, I tune those out because those are from people that have an agenda and it's not my agenda. My agenda is to let people know that um, there is evil out there, but there is good. They have to weed out who these um, organizations are that are set up and are working for the good of addicted people and families who have lost children. And they're also the grief predators and people have to, to learn about them and um, do their homework. Yep. Yep. We've um, talked about an organization on the podcast before, and I would probably recommend that our listeners contact them if they have questions. It's called learn to cope, um, learn L E A R N and number two 
C-O-P-E, and they're just mentors and they're not in anybody's pocket. So they're going to give you, you know, completely unbiased information based on what they know. So if you have questions about some group that's reached out to you or some um, organization, um, you could check with Learn to Cope. Are there other organizations that do a similar thing, Marianne, that are like unbiased that could advise people if they need it? Well, you just hit something very near to me, and that's Learn to Cope is Joanne Peterson. Yes. And she and I go way back, uh, and she is the, the, the best person to get in touch with. And her intentions and her motives, everything is pure. She's out there to help. In fact, I spoke at one of her meetings, and I went to Boston. Yep. And um, spoke there. And, I think the world And of she her. was on the podcast because um, – uh, the young man who was my co-host, Jason, his parents actually moved him down the road to treatment and recovery by, first of all, um, connecting up with Learn to Cope. And so when they talked about that organization, I actually had Janet on the podcast. So that's Joanne. Joanne I'm yeah, sorry, Joanne. Joanne. And so I know yeah. that based on talking with her that that's an organization that they're just, they're not paid by anybody. So they're not going to have any type of agenda and so once again, listeners, if, if, you, if someone's reached out to you and you're not sure whether or not they're legitimate, you know, you can, you can find um, Joanne and others there at learntocope.org, I believe it is. And, right. and they, can, they can help you. Exactly. Marianne, if you had just one last message that you could give to our listeners, what would that be? Oh, uh, never give up hope, uh, especially if you have a loved one who's addicted. Never give up hope. Uh, but be very, very careful who you follow as a Pied Piper in this horrible epidemic. Um, there are a lot of, um, like I said, people and organizations out there that are not uh, looking at the interest of your loved ones. So do your homework. Uh, the internet is a great source of information. And, and, and follow, follow uh, reviews. Follow what, what people are saying about them. And don't get sucked into quicksand. It's the only thing I can say. I think that's a great message. And I think it's, it's applicable to many of our listeners. Marianne, thank you once again for being on the podcast today. There's my dog chiming in in the background. I hear. And um, notice mine were quiet. <laughs> and, and the thing that I I really want to commend you for, we had a, a father on the podcast who had lost his son um, due to an overdose, and he said at the time, he said, you know, there are two ways you can go after that happens. You can shut yourself off and not, you know, do anything, or you can use the resources that you have to make a difference. And that is what you are doing, Marianne. And I appreciate you doing that. Thank you very, very much. Jane. I appreciate you and Steve and reaching out to me and letting this happen. So uh, hopefully we made a difference to some people's lives today. That's my biggest hope. I believe we did. Thank you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. 
Please subscribe to our podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to audio podcasts. And please give us a five-star rating so that more and more people will be able to find us. We'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. For more information on Narconon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcononojai.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.